enough of the promises. Just be good. No, isn't that what God's thinking? Welcome to Consciously, a podcast focused on honest conversations for regular people seeking spiritual growth. Here's our host, Menachem Poznanski. Consciously family, welcome back. It is really, really good to be back. It's been, you know, I have to say, coming off of Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, thinking about all the things that I want to do this year, all the things that are important to me, one of the things that I felt really conflicted about was how inconsistent these episodes have been. Um, Because this family, the Consciously family, is so important to me. Uh, this this process, this opportunity, you know, uh, I was with somebody over Rosh Hashanah, Mrs. Tamar Perlman, Rebetzin, Tamar Perlman, and she talked about the, the gift of having voice, having an opportunity to speak things out, uh, and this is, in many ways, uh, one of the primary areas where I'm given voice. I, I appreciate you all so much, and, and my aspiration for the year to come is uh, to really get back to consistent episodes and to try to to bring you some remarkable content. But it was a great year uh, at Consciously, and I'm really, really thankful for what we did in the year past. I also wanted to share with the audience um, some of what's going on in my life, why why that inconsistency has happened. I was thinking about that this morning. I've had the privilege of doing a lot of really amazing things over the last three or four months, aside from my remarkable, remarkable work I get to do at the living room and how busy it's been and how much growth there is and how remarkable the staff is doing and how privileged I am to work with them and to help them grow and evolve into the remarkable people that they'll be. Um, the Light Revealed is also kind of really, you know, starting to hit its stride. And Joey is, you know, made Aliyah and he's kind of getting settled in and getting started with his content, some beautiful YouTube videos that came out and also his podcast, just great stuff. I mean, Joey kind of distilling down um, the encyclopedic, and depth, encyclopedic nature and the depth of his message down to 10-minute, 9-minute, 6-minute bites is, uh, A, a remarkable effort on his part, but uh, but also just uh, such a gift. I'm really, really enjoying them. I encourage you to check them out. Um, the other thing is I started working on a new program called Genesis Treatment, which is a substance abuse and trauma treatment center in Jerusalem, an outpatient and inpatient facility outpatient for men and women and inpatient for men right now. Hopefully it'll grow more and more. I'm really excited about it, but it's definitely taking up a lot of focus. Um, But I'm just so privileged uh, to be a part of that team, to watch its growth. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen, how that's going to play out. However, um, this consciously family process is deeply important to me, and I want to lean into that. It's one of my aspirations for the year to come. So having said all that, I want to welcome everyone to the Consciously Podcast, and thank you for joining us. I want to ask you, if you haven't already, to subscribe, give us five stars, and write a review on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you take your podcast. Uh, Check out our social media pages, at The Light Revealed, on Instagram and on Facebook, and you can check out my books, Consciously, Six Steps to Living Vibrantly with Our Creator, they're God's books, and Stepping Out of the Abyss, A Jewish Guide, to the 12 steps. Uh, if you'd like to reach out and ask us questions or connect, I love them. I love interacting with you. Uh, it really gives me uh, a lot of chizuk. It gives me a lot of strength and it makes me so happy. Um, you can reach out 
on Instagram at the light revealed or by email, the light revealed at tlrfamily.org. I want to say I, I had the opportunity over Rosh Hashanah. I was at the Madragos Rosh Hashanah retreat, which is a collaborative event, Madragos, the living room, um, our village, uh, Rachel's place, a number of organizations spearheaded by Madragos out in the five towns. Uh, just a remarkable event. And, and I had an opportunity to meet with, to interact with people that I don't normally interact with uh, who listen to the show. And uh, it, it just made me feel so good. It made me feel so good. Sometimes I'm sitting here behind a microphone feeling like I'm talking to myself. So as I said earlier, the, the privilege to be given voice and the fact that it's meaningful for people, for you, um, is it means the world to me. Okay, so I wanted to talk today, the t- title today is Sweet Promises. And there's a question that comes up for a lot of people, you know, for Jewish people, all the time, after Yom Kippur. You know, Yom Kippur is such a, a beautiful holiday. It's so intense. Uh, it could be so overwhelming for so many. The fasting, the praying all day, going to shul, wear white clothes. The rabbi gives extensive speeches. There's Yisker, which is, always brings up into people's consciousness the people that they've lost. Uh, the thoughts about the the prayers talk about the the um, the insecurity, the inherent insecurity and impermanence of life, and also part of it is you know the sweet promises we make to God that that we're going to be better this year, that we're going to do more this year, and, and oftentimes after Yom Kippur, you know, within a couple of hours, you know, we get home and you know scarf down some food after we promise that we're going to promise ourselves maybe even <laughs> that we're going to be better about our eating this year you know and we're just like okay i'm just right back to where i started and we feel like god we like we let god down we feel like we let ourselves down and the days that follow yom kippur are can be very like draining they can be very disempowering they can really strip us of agency they can make us feel like are we ever going to get it together in the torah we are invited right after yom kippur to jump into, to leap into Sukkot. In fact, the Torah encourages us right after Yom Kippur ends to like start preparing for Sukkot. And Hashem gave us two beautiful mitzvahs, the Arbaminim, the four species, Esrog and Lulav, Hadassim and Aravos, and, and also the Sukkah itself to start building a Sukkah. Um, and we're, we're encouraged to do that right away. In fact, before we even do that, we're invited right when Yom Kippur ends to go immediately outside and to bless the moon, which is something the Jewish people do every every uh, every month. You know, from the third of the month until the 14th of the month, we have the opportunity to say a special blessing uh, to bless the moon in its process of its waxing and waning. You know, our calendar is based on the moon. So, you know, the significance of the of the of the growing and then shrinking of the moon is is very is very high in uh, in you know in the Torah, and it represents the moon represents the Jewish people. The moon represents you know the waxing and waning of life, the ups and downs of life, the the, the cycle of life, and that's part of why our calendar is based on the moon, even though we align it with the uh, the solar calendar as well. So the the question is okay. So as we're feeling like we're you know our moon is tiny coming out of Yom Kippur, we feel like we have a full moon. You know, uh, right when Yom Kippur ends, we're like shining bright. And then 10 seconds later, we feel like the same small sliver at best of the moon. So how, how can we move forward? How do we move forward into the year, 
you know, and, and how do we supposed to understand what Yom Kippur is about? And like, is that the whole point? We just feel so amazing, so high, so connected, just so we can feel so low. So the first thing I want to talk about was something I saw recently, which is in the first Torah in the Kuta Maharan Tinyana, which is the second section of the Kuta Maharan. Rabbi Nachum points out a really interesting thing. There's a concept on Rosh Chodesh, which is the first of the month, that part of the um, sacrifices that we bring on Rosh Chodesh are sacrifices to, so to speak, be mechaper for Hashem, to give a kapara, so to speak, for God. Because the moon waxes and wanes. It, it is reduced. It's not like the sun. The sun has a certain consistency to it. It's always shining bright. The moon comes out every night, except for the night that it's totally blocked, right? And it, it's diminished. So there's a certain, there's a concept, Kabbalistically, that that represents the fact that there's the the aspect of life, the waxing and waning of life, the the frustration of life, the the ups and downs of life. To a certain degree, there's a, a measure of accountability for God. That God feels bad for that, so to speak. That there's a, a, a sense of regret, you might say, not a regret like he regrets it being that way, but a regret in the sense that he feels bad. That God feels bad that he, the way in which he composed the world, there's ups and downs and waxing and waning. So. Part of one of the themes in Pneumia Satora is that part of Rosh Chodesh is to affect a, a kapara, so to speak, for, for Hashem. So Rabbi Nachman puts out a beautiful thing. He points out that Rosh, Rosh Hashanah, which is the only holiday like that, normally holidays are on the 15th, Rosh Hashanah is specifically falls out on Rosh Chodesh. And what he says in, in Lukute Maharan uh, Os Aleph, is that the reason why God judges on us on Rosh Hashanah, the reason why he begins the process of the Yom Hadin, of the Yemei Hadin, the Yemei Norim, the days of awe on Rosh Chodesh, is because God only sits to judge when he is also judged. When he is feeling under pressure to face the reality of his decision, of how he decided to create the world, that is when he decides to sit down and also engage in judgment. And the implication of the teaching is that part of it is because God wants to judge from a space of humility. And the really powerful um, message that comes across from this Torah is that part of, is A, Aleph, the first thing, part of the response to that feeling that it feels like I'm down to nothing, I felt like I was up to everything, and now I feel like I'm down to nothing. It's like that's the perfect place to be. That's exactly where you want to be. That's where you want to begin your process. You don't want to begin your process flying high with delusions of grandeur, with some willy-nilly, you know, fantasy version of what you're going to grow into this year. You want to, there's a, there's a certain grounding nature to coming down to earth after Yom Kippur, which is where God invites us to begin the year, to begin the process of growth, to begin our journey. You see, life, the year, the process of emerging out of Yom Kippur is a process. Yom Kippur is the beginning and not the end. You see, Rosh Chodesh is when the moon is empty, not when it's full. The beginning is not full. The beginning is empty. The beginning is when you feel like you're down to nothing. That's when you, when God, when the universe, when life itself is up to something. So don't run from that feeling. 
lean into that feeling. That's the first answer that I think is really, really important that I've been thinking about a lot. A lot of this is my own responses to these answers. It's not so much like, well, I feel like I'm nothing. So like, what's the point? No, no, that's exactly what you're supposed to feel. That's, that's good. That's a good space. It's actually a good sign that Hashem is inviting you. God is inviting you back to a space of a journey of growth, an opportunity to lean in, to become more than what you are, to be something new, to be something powerfully more than you ever could have imagined, immeasurably more than what you were before. So the bad the feeling is a good feeling. That, that's one. That's Aleph. That's the first one. The second point that I was thinking about is the fact that we transition straight from Yom Kippur into the, joints, uh, into the joy of Sukkot. And this is both related to this idea of the sweet promises, the sweet promise of, of Yom Kippur that we make and how we're meant to face that, but also the sweet promise of what we experience by Ni'ilah on Yom Kippur and, and how high we feel, and then how awesome, how often low we, we ascend, we descend, right? And how do we come out? Because there's a certain part of that which relates back to that idea of Rosh Chodesh, where it's like not only are we letting, feel like we're letting God down, there's a part of us often that feels like God, life is letting us down, like we thought it was going to be so good, and now we're just back to us. So what's the point? So, Sukkot is known as the most joyous time of the year. It's it's the it's the holiday. There's there's a mitzvah to engage in joy on every holiday and all of the shalosh regalim. But however, there's an extra mitzvah of joy. Joy in and of itself is a mitzvah on Sukkot. In fact, it says in the Gemara that if an, if anyone wants to have any sense of what joy is, they would see the Simchas Beis Hashoeva, which is part of the events of Sukkot that happened in the in the Beis Hamikdash. That 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 Sukkot represents unbridled joy. And and part of what happens on Sukkot, different than what we were talking about with Rosh Hashanah, is that it occurs on the 15th of the month when the moon is full. At this time where everything's, you know, running at its stride, when things are going well, things are full. And what happens is, is we come out of Yom Kippur and Hashem, so to speak, invites us into his home. The, the Sukkah, the part of the mitzvah of Sukkah Right, the the inherent nature of it is that you have to create shade, right? It can't be so much shade that you totally block out the ability to see the stars, to see the sky. However, it has to have more shade than than sun. So the shade itself of the sukkah is part of the mitzvah. The commentators point out that sukkahs, in many ways, is the only mitzvah that a person sits inside of. You actually sit within the sukkah because the shade of the sukkah, meaning the vibe the energy that's created by the mitzvah itself is where you sit. You're sitting, so to speak, in a mitzvah. And that's why the commentators explain why in Sukkot we invite in the forefathers, the Shevaroim, the, the seven shepherds, Ushbizin, into the sukkah because their neshamas can come into that space. Their neshamas are on an elevated plane of existence. So why don't we invite them in every Shabbos? Why don't we have Ushbizin every Shabbos? the fathers and the mothers, the avos and imahos, why isn't that a normal thing in Judaism to invite our ancestors to our Shabbos table? It's only comes Sukkot that we invite in the tzaddikim, we invite in our, our forefathers, the seven shepherds, Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, 
Moshe, Aaron, uh, um, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Yosef, Moshe, Aaron, and David, right? Why is that the case? Because the sukkah has this special energy. It's the house of God, so to speak. And therefore, we have the opportunity to invite those souls, right, which correspond to the root souls of all reality, right, which is the highest essence of ourselves into our lives, into our space, and interact with them in a way that we're not capable, able to react uh, throughout the year. So God invites us into this temporary shack space to be with him outside in the elements with a lack of surety, right? There's no surety there. That's the truth, right? We're, we're very much in under the whim of, of the weather, you know, in, in Israel, there's a little more surety. It tends to very rarely rain on Sukkot, though sometimes it does. That tends to not be a good sign. Here in the U.S., on the, Eastern, on the East Coast, rain is much more common. Thank God, it looks like we're going to have some clear days for the first few days. But now, you know, based on how the calendar went this year, it's, it's rather late in the year. It's already October, so we get to get some brisk temperatures. So we're looking forward to all of that. So Sukkot is that opportunity to step out into the unsurety of the sukkah into the space of God's presence, a very holy space. And we sit there for seven days, we fabrain, so to speak, with Hashem, culminating in Simchas Torah, which is interesting because on Simchas Torah, right, you would think that Simchas Torah would be on Shavuot, right, when we when we receive the Torah. You would think that's when we start to read the Torah. We'd start Parshat's Breshis. We would start reading from, from Parshat Breshis, right, when? The day after Shavuot, when we receive the Torah, that's what you would think. You would start the Torah when you receive it. But in fact, we start the Torah right after Sukkot. And we complete the Torah on Sukkot, on Simchas Torah. We begin, we begin the initial reading of Breshis on Simchas Torah, and we end the Torah, reading the Torah on, on Simchas Torah. So why, why is that? Why not do that on Shavuot? And the answer is because Shavuot is really a time where Hashem is inviting us to Fabrain with him to, to 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 be joyous with him to connect with him in an intimate way and part of that enjoyment is for him and for us to celebrate our accomplishments shavuot is more of a time of reflection of re- realizing what god is doing for us that we can't do for ourselves so it wouldn't be appropriate necessarily to sit and congratulate ourselves for the for the effort of completing the torah uh, completing the entirety of the torah together as a community but simchas torah is that perfect time so that's 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 where that's what that's that's what happens on Sukkot. That's how we start the year. That's how we come out of Yom Kippur. Right? So, what's the message here? And the message is just that. That's how you come out of Yom Kippur. With all our sweet promises and all our best intentions. We're invited into an intimate space with God that celebrates the insecurity of life. It celebrates the elements of change. It celebrates that we're not sure what's going to happen. You see, the message of Sukkot is that Hashem knows our spiritual process of growth has impermanence, and He's more than okay with it. He loves it. He's anxiously watching as we begin the journey toward becoming who we are meant to be. That's what Sukkot is about. Hashem invites us out into that space to remind us, right? The Arbaminim, the four, the, the four species, the Esrog and the Lulav, the Hadassim, the Ravos, the Svarim tells us that each of them corresponds to a different type of Jew. The Esrog is sweet to smell and sweet to taste, and the, and the Lulav is sweet to smell but not sweet to taste, and the Hadassim are sweet to taste but not to smell. The other way around. <laughs> the love is sweet to taste, but not to not to smell, right? Because of its fruit. And and the and the 
and the hadasim are sweet to smell, but not to taste. And the aravos are neither sweet to taste nor sweet to smell, right? And they correspond to different people, different times of their lives or different moments in their existence. And it brings them together. You want to bring them together and bring them close to your heart. It talks about bringing elements together. It knows about the imperfection of life. Sukkot is that celebration. Life is impermanent and life is imperfect and and that's okay that's the way it's supposed to be we're coming out of yom kippur and we want we're beginning a journey we're not ending a journey we're tapping into that energy of rosh chodesh of how hashem started the judging process he wanted to start his process of beginning the man he wanted to create man he he created man in the 25th of el right and then he starts the year on the day that he created and he created men meaning not the day that he created the world because God's journey of creating the world starts when he creates man and he begins this journey of impermanence and imperfection that starts with man, right? That starts this relationship with man and God starts there and we're meant to start there. The impermanence is exactly where we're, we're, we're meant to be. You see on Ni'ila, right? I've commented on this many times, but Ni'ila, there's a process at the end of Ni'ila where the chazan stands up. I'm sure most of the listeners have experienced this and he cries out, Shema Yisrael, Shema Gana, Shema Chad. He cries out, he says the Shema prayer out loud and, and, and the congregation repeats him. And then we say, Baruch Shem Kivod three times, right? Shema Yisrael corresponds to the, the upper awareness of how God is everything. And Baruch Shem Kivod Machusolei corresponds to the awareness that even though God is everything, there's also details. Like, if we look at the world through God's lens, there's just God. But if we look at the world through our lens, there's countless details. So Shema, we're acknowledging that everything is God. And in Baruch Shem Kivod we're saying, even though we don't see that, I'm going to do, I'm going to dedicate my life to God. And we say that out loud. And then, and then we do a powerful thing, seven, which is not a coincidence, right? We cry out, Hashem Hu Elohim, seven times, again and again. Hashem Hu Elohim, God is the Lord, God is the Lord. And at the end of that process, we feel elevated in such a remarkable way. We feel, you know, I've commented many times that if, uh, if, if, if the most attractive sin that a person could imagine would become available to them in that moment, in the sixth Hashem Hu Elohim, in that moment, they would never stop what they were doing. They would never stop the seventh Hashem Hu Elohim. In that moment, sin is not even attracted to themselves. In a certain way, we encounter in that moment after a full day of fasting and praying or, or a full day of tolerating the fast and not praying or, and then trying to pray, right? However, every, however, each of the uh, each of us experience that Yom Kippur, we come to that moment and we actually encounter our most ideal self, our own inner tzaddik, right? Because a tzaddik is someone who's not even attracted to sinning. He does, tzaddik doesn't stop himself from sinning. He doesn't want to sin, right? He only wants to do what's right, as the Tanya teaches us. He's his the good inside of him is so overwhelming that you can't even perceive the bad, or he's even transformed the bad to good. That's what a tzaddik is. And at Ni'ila, in that moment, we have the opportunity to, to meet that inner, to feel what it's like to be a tzaddik, but more than to feel what it's like to be a tzaddik, to meet ourselves, to meet our most ideal self. And in a certain way, I was thinking this year, it's also an opportunity for us to meet the us that we're going to become at the end of the year, which I referenced back a few weeks ago. And I talked about in Rosh Hashanah for those who are there, right? We can't imagine what we're going to grow into this year because we can't imagine the circumstances, the experiences that we're going to have and how we're going to face those and the maturity and the wisdom that that's going to generate and the person we become in the year to come. But we get a glimpse of that right at the beginning. We get a, we get a foretaste of that growth right at the beginning. And then... And then, and then we, we come back down to earth. Hashem gives us a taste at Ni'ilah and we come back down to earth. And 
the message of sukkahs, the message of that impermanence of going out into the sukkah, which we're going to do tonight, right? Wherever you are in the world, you're listening, please God. Um, you're going to go out into the sukkah tonight, God willing. You're going to take the Arba meeting tomorrow morning. And that message of that is don't feel a false sense of shame. Drop that false shame and embrace the journey of growth that you're shaded and protected by the sukkah, by God's presence. You see, the sukkah represents two things, right? There's two things that the sukkah represents. It, remember, it represents the temporary huts that God formed for us in the desert, right? That God gave us the opportunity to build. It's us leaving Egypt and the, and the, temporary, the temporary huts that we, we built in the desert to shade ourselves. And it also represents the Ananiha Kavod, the, the, the clouds of glory that protected us in our journey through the desert. You see, and both of these things are true in this context right you see the sukkah represents the fact that Hashem's telling us like it's a journey you're going to be in the desert it's going to feel low but it, you're going somewhere you're going to the promised land what's the promised land not a perfect life I mean God willing it should all be a perfect life and really you know as my Tani has been saying a lot it's like every day is Erev Mashiach right my Tani said a beautiful thing he'll kill me for saying this but he won't he won't listen to this that's great he said really we should stop saying Tachanun because every day is Erev Mashiach how could you say Tachanun and Erev Mashiach that's a great idea right but so we're, we're headed towards okay God willing towards that ultimate goal but really more than anything we're headed towards who we're meant to be who we're going to be in the year to come like who we're going to be on the day before Rosh Hashanah 5784 that's where we're headed and in that process of growth we're shaded by the huts in the journey and we're shaded by the Ananiya covenant and Hashem knows exactly who we are and exactly where we're going to be so don't run away from those sweet that, those sweet promises lean into them accept them embrace them feel the beauty of the journey that's ahead and own what's coming own what's coming it's going to be up it's going to be perilous it's going to be up and it's going to be down it's not all it's not all, uh, you know, unicorns and, and butterflies. That's not life. That's not, that's not the universe that Hashem created in Gullis. That's not what Hashem created. He created a world that's headed towards Gula, but a world that exists right now as we are in Gullis, in a process of growth, in a process of earning slowly by slowly each level that we're on, each moment and each opportunity we have to grow. That's the journey, and we're not doing it alone. We're doing it with Hashem. He knows exactly where we are, and this is the way He designed it. It's perfect. He designed us to feel exactly how we feel. We shouldn't run from this feeling. We shouldn't distract ourselves. The joy of Sukkot is not the distraction, right? Let's distract ourselves from the pain and suffering of coming out of Yom Kippur by getting happy so we don't have to feel, you know, because then what happens is, is you come after after Sukkot and you're so sick of all the spirituality. What can I get back to life? That's not the point of it. The point of it is to begin that journey with a moment of reflection to realize that life's impermanent and exactly how I feel is exactly how I'm supposed to feel. And the sweet promises that I have inside of me are a vision of where I'm going. And that's a gift. And now I have the opportunity to earn it. I want to wish each and every one of you, all the listeners, a Chag Sameach. And we should all have a Shnas Bracha Vatzlach, a year full of abundance and growth in all the aspects of our lives, material and spiritual, with an awareness that God is right here with us, carrying us, protecting us, but also standing right next to us, knowing the journey, feeling our disappointments, feeling our regrets, and walking with us hand in hand toward who we are meant to be. Thank you for joining the Consciously Family. Consciously is brought to you by The Light Revealed, a social media publisher bringing messages of Jewish spirituality and recovery to whoever is looking for them. 
Consciously is made possible by the kindness of the Capellius family in memory of Tapora Bas Ravaram. Our producer is Morty Schwartz. Our audio engineer is Alps, and our artwork is by Tani Puz. Our social media team is led by Tehil Nasanian with help from Zoe Poznanski. The assistant to the regional co-host is Shmaya Hanekman, and our music is by Eitan Katz featuring Zushta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We love connecting with you, so please feel free to email us at consciouslythepodcast at gmail.com or private message us on Instagram or Facebook at the Lightning Network.